we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is Sunny Side of Sports. Right here on The Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. And happy Friday. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the September 2nd edition of the sunny side of sports. The UEFA Champions League gets into full swing on Tuesday, September 6th, and African football stars are ready to light up the biggest club competition in the world. Michael Cariotti looks at the journey ahead for these African football heroes. When Liverpool lost the UEFA Champions League Cup Final 1-0 to Real Madrid in May, the whole of Africa cried, along with Egypt's Mohamed Salah, Senegal's Sadio Mane, and Guinness Nabikata. Africa wanted their most famous sons to lay their hands on the biggest club football competition in the world, a competition that made Ghana's Abedi Pele popular at Marseille in 1993. The good news is that the competition is returning on September 6, and Africa's footballers will be key in determining who wins the oldest, most prestigious club prize. Mane has moved to Bayern Munich, but Salah remains at Liverpool. Akraf Hakim of Morocco is at PSG. Ivory Coast's Frank Cassie is at AC Milan. Edward Tapsoba of Burkina Faso is at Bayer Leverkusen. And Senegal's Kalido Koulibaly has moved to Chelsea from Napoli, a clear shore of the vast African talent spread all over the Champions League show. Add Algeria's Riyad Mahrez, who is still at Man City, then one is a powerful lineup of African stars waiting on the wings to prove a point in the hugely followed competition. Former footballer Dumisan Mpofu believes Mane will this year be the star of the Champions League show, replacing Karim Benzema, who was in a class of his own for Real Madrid. The player that I think will shine will be Sadio Mane because I'm a Sadio Mane fan. Panta Farai Kambamura, who survives on football betting, believes it will also be Mane's Bayern who will wear the crown of champions. I would like to believe and understand Bayern Munich have got a strong team to conquer the world. The small teams too, like Dinamo Zagreb, Maccabi Haifa, FC Copenhagen, Club Bruges, Celtic, Shakhtar Donetsk, Rangers, Victoria Plusen, and Red Bull Salzburg will also have their following because of increased interest in betting. Salzburg have always had their following in Africa, having set up the career of Mane and later on that of Zambia's Patson Dakar, who is now at least in the EPL. They will also be the likes of Sevilla, Dortmund, Leipzig, Napoli, Atletico Madrid, Sporting Lisbon, and of course, Entrange Frankfurt, who won the Europa League for 2021-2022. Not forgotten are former champions Marseille, Porto, Ajax, Inter Milan, and Benfica, who are eyeing another title. However, Mpofu, who played at AFCON 2004 with Zimbabwe, believes it is the big guns and their big-name players like PSG who will have the last laugh. 
some teams they have luck, you know, and they can go all the way and beat the best teams and uh, yeah, win the trophy. So yeah, but uh, like I said, PSG, Bayern Munich, and uh, I want I also want to throw my favorite team Liverpool in the mix there. All in all, 32 teams remain after 52 clubs from the lower ranked leagues took part in the qualifying rounds. Defending champions, Real Madrid opened their campaign on Tuesday away to Celtic, a team that dominates in Scotland but struggles on the international front. Surely the race for the Champions League is going to be highly competitive, but it looks like a pretty good bet that an African footballer or footballers will have their hands on the trophy when the competition finally comes to an end in May 2023. So... Let the Champions League show begin. For the Sony side of sports, this is Michael Cariati in Arare, Zimbabwe. Thanks, Michael. Gabonese star Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, the 2015 African Footballer of the Year, says he can't wait to start with his new Premier League club, Chelsea. Obama Yang officially joined Chelsea in a $12 million deal from Barcelona. On a frantic final day before the European transfer window closed. Now, Obama Yang is part of a massive spending spree by Chelsea. The team spent a staggering $280 million in the first transfer window of the post Roman Abramovich era. For his part, Obama Yang says he's honored to be with the Blues of Chelsea and he has some unfinished business in the Premier League. The 33-year-old Obama Yang previously played four seasons with the Gunners of Arsenal. Obama Yang scored 13 goals and 24 appearances for Barcelona after joining the Spanish club in February from Arsenal. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang now with the Blues of Chelsea. This is the voice of America. Washington, D.C. I'm Sonny Young in Washington, D.C., and you're listening to the sunny side of sports. On the Voice of America. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite VOA programs, including the sunny side of sports. And for world news, go to voanews.com. You can also follow the sunny side of sports on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. In English Premier League football action Thursday, Manchester United scored a 1-0 road victory over Leicester City. Man of the match, Jaden Sancho, scored the goal in the 23rd minute. It was the third consecutive victory for Man U, which acquired Brazilian winger Antony from Ajax for $95 million during the European transfer window. That makes Antony one of the most expensive players in Premier League history. The 22-year-old Antony signed a five-year deal. 
I mentioned Chelsea's $280 million spending spree during the transfer window. Well, Man U was right behind Chelsea at about $240 million. Some deep, deep pockets in English Premier League football. Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Thanks, Heather. Samson Omale joins us once again with another extra spicy package of African sports highlights. Sporty Friday greetings, Samson. Sporty Friday greetings to you too, Sunny. We begin the wrap of the weekend African sports highlights with the Regional Council of Southern Africa Football Association Kosafa Women's Championship in Port Elizabeth, South Africa. Striker Barbara Banda scored twice as Zambia claimed a hard-fought 2-0 victory over Namibia in the Championship Group B opener at the Nelson Mandela Bay Stadium on Thursday. Banda was voted Woman of the Match. Well, I think uh, it's a great feeling to play for the nation and I'm so happy and excited. I want to thank uh, my teammates uh, for this. I'm dedicating it to them because uh, on my own I was not going to do it. Namibia head coach Paulus Shipanga said despite the loss, his girls did their best and is hopeful that the next game will turn in a positive result. Um, we were supposed to finish them the first uh, seconds of the game. When we got that opportunity, um, that was the unsettlement that would have uh, break all everything that we wanted to. But at the end of the day, I, I'm, I'm very proud of my girls. You know, Zambia is a strong team. They are the AFCON and they're going to to all the other places. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. Performance-wise, you know, if you can look at the game, the scoreline probably not as as good as we thought it's going to be. But, um, yeah, we'll work on the next game that's coming. In the early kickoff on Thursday, Botmiolo Rabali scored a hat-trick as Lesotho East Pass Eswatini with a 3-0 victory in their pool opener to lay down a marker of their potential. It is Lesotho's first win at the competition in five games since they beat Namibia 2-1 in 2017. Staying with women's football, Banyana Banyana coach Destry Ellis wants her charges to treat their two international friendlies against South American champions Brazil as if they are playing official matches. Banyana, who won this year's Women's African Cup of Nations, meet ninth-ranked Brazil at Soweto's Orlando Stadium on Friday and Durban's Moses Mabida Stadium on Monday. Both teams will compete in next year's World Cup, jointly hosted by Australia and New Zealand in July and August next year. Coach Destry Ellis' approach to the game is one that will be used to measure how the South Africans will react to tough opposition. They're a top team. Um, they won the Copa America. A lot of the players play in big clubs abroad. Um, they have a top coach um, who's coached all over the world. So I think it's going to be an exciting game, but it's going to be a real test for us, and that's what we want so early. 
you know, especially after we've gone to test the players to see where we're at. Um, but we're expecting the crowd to come out, you know. Uh, we've played for a long time without any fans in the stadium. And we hope that the fans will come and, and, and support us in this game. Staying with Football News, a former top official of the Zimbabwe Football Association has been banned from all football-related activities for five years for sexually harassing three female referees. FIFA, in a statement on Thursday, said Orbert Zoya, former secretary-general of the Zifa Referee Committee, will also be fined $20,400 by the Ethics Committee of the World Football's governing body. FIFA said in a statement that after careful analysis, Analysis of the written statements of the victims, Zoya had been found guilty of abusing his position to sexually harass three female Zifa referees. Staying with football news, head coach of Super Eagles Team B, Salisu Yusuf, has said that the team has moved on from the 2-0 loss to Ghana in Cape Coast with renewed determination to qualify for the 7th African Nations Championship, Algeria 2023. The Eagles Team B have continued their build-up for the return leg against the Galaxies of Ghana, built for Saturday the 3rd of September in Abuja. The winner on aggregate will qualify for Algeria 2023. Coach Yusuf, who led the class of 2018 to a Second place finish in Morocco said on Thursday in Abuja that the team's concentration is on how to score enough goals to overturn the deficit incurred in the way leg in Cape Coast. We're going to work very hard to see that happen. But the assurance is in the field when we have done it. And uh, I'm confident of the group because they came just going to get up two weeks and uh, they put up a good fight, so I believe that this second game will be better than the first game. And out of volleyball news, the under 19 Girls African Nations Volleyball Championship that will produce Africa representative at the FIVB Championship has begun in Abuja, Nigeria's capital. Host Nigeria will begin their title quest against Cameroon on Friday. Cameroon are the defending champions of the under 19 Girls Championship. In cricket news, the first International Cricket Council's Africa qualifier for the maiden women's under-19 cricket World Cup begins this weekend in Botswana. Nine countries will jostle for the single ticket for the World Cup. The countries include Nigeria, Malawi, Mozambique, Namibia, Rwanda, Sierra Leone, Tanzania, Uganda and host Botswana. The tournament runs from the 2nd until the 13th of September. Uganda opens their game against Namibia on Sunday. Yusuf Nanga is a head coach of the Uganda cricket under-19 team. Uh, most of these girls have played uh, at school level. They have played in uh, our national league, so they have the playing experience. It's the reason as to why uh, they, were selected to, they were selected to come and um, represent the country. We, we, we chose the best out of the many that we had, and we hope for the best out of them. Their team, they have been together for more than a month, and they know each other's um, strength and weakness. In boxing news, the 2022 Africa Boxing Confederation Championship for elite men and women will take place between the 8th to the 18th of September in Maputo City, Mozambique. The African Championship in Mozambique doubles up as qualifiers for the 2023 World Championship. And on to rugby news, where South African national men rugby team captain Sia Kulisi has urged South Africa's rugby faithful not to give up on the team after two disappointing defeats.
athletes in the rugby championship and has vowed that the Springbok, as the team is called, will give everything this weekend to bounce back and remain in the title race. The Springboks will need to show some improvement if they are to avoid a third straight defeat in the fourth round of the rugby championship. Kulisi said he understood the frustration of the South African public at the team's inconsistent results this season, but said the team felt the same frustrations as they fell to their second consecutive defeat in the rugby championship this season. There's no room for error now, you know. Um, it, everything is, is a playoff game for us, and that's the mindset we're taking. And we know what we did. Um, we did wrong last week, you know. I think from us, for our standards, the intensity, the way we started is not where we were. We don't worry about, you know, you can't a bank on a good start. What is a good start? You know, if they score a couple of two points early, it's all right. But as long as our, our intensity is up to standard, so that's, that's one of the biggest things that we want to make sure we want to change. That's Sia Khaleesi, the captain of South Africa's national men's rugby team, the Springboks. And thanks to Samson Omale for another extra spicy package of African sports highlights. I'm VOA Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Hi, I'm Kim Lewis. Join me and our panel of journalists as we discuss the top stories of the week, including President Biden hit the road with his Inflation Reduction Act now in place. He looks to boost the political fortunes of key Democratic candidates while persuading voters in swing states that they shouldn't back Republicans in the upcoming midterm elections. We'll examine this and more on Issues in the News this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. Oh, spotty greetings. This is Coach Kike Rafiu, former director of operations from University of Delaware. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Coach. Coach Kike recently spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye about grassroots basketball development in Nigeria and in Africa. Um, I think we need to do a better job with our grassroots in Nigeria, but never, nevertheless, if you really look at it, you gotta, there's so many perspectives you can look at the Tigress, because now we do have a channel like where we have a lot of young girls getting the opportunity to go to college in America, and they're doing a fantastic, fantastic job, you know, representing the country and also coming back to represent the country. So sometimes you might, it might look like the U.S., Days, but they actually they started from home. If you trace, you have to trace back to their roots. You know, they started from here and they got the opportunity to go to college and they're coming back. So technically, they're still one of us here. But looking at it from a grassroots level, we still have a long way to go, you know, building, uh, starting early. You know, not just for the girls, but also for the boys. You know, just grassroots basketball in general, needs to, we need to do a better job on, you know, grooming our players. How do you think this can be achieved as in getting them here, grooming them, making them to be potential stars for the NBA and the big clubs in Europe? Which way forward? The first thing, you know, is how are we making the game attractive to the younger to the younger generations, to the younger kids. If we do not catch the interest at a very young age, it's very hard to catch it at 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. It's probably too late at that point. But if you can catch a very young kid at 10, 9, maybe even younger, as we've seen in the U.S., you know, and you teach them 
the basics of the game. And that's some of the things we're missing here in most African countries so far that I personally have traveled and I've seen. We need to focus more on the basics. We can't skip steps. Just because you know how to dribble, then all of a sudden you think you're a star. Don't skip steps. And the coaches too need to know what they teach you. Do you think that Nigeria and indeed Africa have the talents to the game or to make the game become very popular? Do you think we have the talents in Africa? Oh, absolutely. We have, in fact, I'm going to say this with boldness in my voice to say we have the talent in Nigeria. We have the talent in Africa. The future of basketball, be it female or male, is here in Africa. The only thing that's holding us back is lack of resources, be it coaching resources, be it infrastructural resources, but the talent is there. We just need to connect the dots and raise these players and teach them the right way of basketball. And the sky is their starting point. That's women's basketball coach Kike Rafiu. And Coach Kike spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye in Lagos, Nigeria. Sporty greetings. This is Masai Ujiri, the president of Toronto Raptors Basketball, president of Giants of Africa Foundation. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. VOA brings you the best in African music on the African beat. African Beat showcases the latest and the greatest of contemporary African music. From bubu music to hip life, bonga flavor to sukus, Afrobeat to Ndombolo and Makosa to Kwaito. The African Beat on VOA has it all. And it's happening right here, Mondays through Fridays at 09.05 and 20.05 UTC right after the international news. Thanks, David. That's David Vandy, the host of the VOA's African Beat music show. Still on the sunny side of sports beat, these are record-breaking times for certain items of sports memorabilia. A Mickey Mantle baseball card recently sold at auction for $12.6 million. I guess you could call that hitting a grand slam. And that sale came after a record-breaking multi-million dollar transaction for a Diego Maradona football jersey. VOA's Gwen Uten reports a prized Michael Jordan basketball jersey will be auctioned off next week. Sporty greetings, Gwen. Sporty greetings, Sonny. In May, the number 10 jersey Argentine soccer legend Diego Maradona wore when he scored two of the most famous goals in soccer history went up for auction at Sotheby's in London. That shirt sold at a world record price of over $9 million, the most expensive game-worn jersey in history. Now, another famous famous jersey will be offered online on Sotheby's website. The so-called Last Dance jersey worn by Michael Jordan in the 1998 NBA Finals is set to be auctioned for an estimated 3 to $5 million, the highest amount ever for any piece of Jordan memorabilia. Brom Walker is the head of streetwear and modern collectibles for Sotheby's. He says the sky's the limit for Jordan's iconic number 23. 
So that's a super iconic logo. I mean, still, even to this day, if you walk into the NBA store in New York, you'll see them using that kind of iconic 1998 NBA Finals logo patch. Um, and so that in particular is something that definitely increases the collectability of this jersey. We have it listed at three to five million, um, but you know, sky's the limit, it just takes two. The jersey got its name from the ESPN film The Last Dance, a documentary series that revolves around Michael Jordan's career and the 1997-98 NBA season, Jordan's final season with the Chicago Bulls that ended with their third straight championship. And Brom Walker says the game won jersey from that final series symbolizes the pinnacle of Jordan's greatness. So here we have Michael Jordan's 1998 NBA final the last dance jersey from game one. Um, when you think about, you know, the arc of Michael Jordan's career and him coming to his last chance at a sixth NBA championship, um, the last dance really holds a special place uh, in the hearts of all Michael Jordan fans. And this is really one of the most significant artifacts for Michael Jordan to ever appear at auction. Jordan hit the game-winning shot in Game 6 of the 1998 NBA Finals with five seconds left on the clock. That play is still regarded as one of the greatest in NBA history. The Bulls' 87-86 win over the Utah Jazz clinched the championship series and their second three-peat in eight years. Over 35 million viewers tuned in, and it still holds the record as the most watched finals game in NBA history. The following year, Michael Jordan retired from the Chicago Bulls for a second time with a total of six championship titles and six finals MVP awards, the most of any player. He returned to the game in 2001 to play for the Washington Wizards before he officially retired for a third and final time two years later. In 2009, he was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame, and he's currently chairperson and owner of the Charlotte Hornets NBA team based in his native U.S. state of North Carolina. The list of achievements goes on and on. However, Brom Walker believes the iconic Last Dance jersey sums up Michael Jordan's legacy. Well, if you think about the Last Dance and kind of Michael's career arc, you know, The Last Dance is really what people covet so much, in, in part because of the documentary. And at that time, Michael was, you know, battling against the enormous amount um, within his own organization, um, which was fracturing. Ultimately, he understood it would be his last shot at an NBA championship with the Chicago Bulls, and he emerged victorious. Um, and this, you know, iconic jersey in, in red is, is one of the um, top artifacts that's ever come to market for Michael Jordan. The Last Dance jersey is the second shirt that was worn by Michael Jordan in the NBA Finals to go up for auction. The first was also worn in 1998 in Jordan's final regular season appearance with the Bulls. That jersey sold for just over 173000 U.S. dollars in 2015. Bidding for the iconic Last Dance jersey from Game 1 of the 1998 NBA Finals will be begin on September 6th and conclude on September 14th. And that is all from me, Sonny. Back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uden. Just ahead, 
the AP's Tom Merriam will have a package of baseball, basketball, U.S. college football, and U.S. Open tennis news. The Mets made it two out of three this week and four out of seven this season with a 5-3 victory over the Dodgers in a matchup of the teams with the two best records in the National League. Francisco Lindor led the way Thursday with a key RBI double and a defensive gem at shortstop. It's big because we won two games, um, and they have the best record in the league. Uh, it's a big series. The day was still pretty satisfying for the Dodgers as Clayton Kershaw returned from the injured list after missing four weeks with a back injury, retiring the last 13 Mets he faced. Wanted to be out there for a while, so good to finally do it. And um, Yeah, first thing was a little rough, obviously, but uh, thankful to kind of bounce out of that. The Braves stayed three games behind the Mets in the NL East race as rookie Spencer Strider struck out a team record 16 batters over eight innings and blanking the Rockies three to nothing. Guys who've thrown in this organization, um, you know, it's a, it's a long, incredible list. And so, uh, yeah, I'm just grateful to be here and, and having success. Another rookie pitcher threw eight shutout innings. The Orioles' Kyle Branish gave up just two hits in a 3 nothing win over the Guardians, whose lead in the AL Central over the Twins was trimmed to one game. I think it just puts us on notice that we're, we're for a real team this year. In another big NBA trade this summer, the Utah Jazz reportedly are sending Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland for a massive package that includes three unprotected first-round draft choices and three veterans, including point guard Colin Sexton. At the U.S. Open, the Williams sisters lost their opening round doubles match. For singles action, here's AP's Graham Agars. American women's hopes Jessica Bagula, Daniel Collins and Lauren Davis have all reached the U.S. Open third round and in men's action a win for second seed Rafael Nadal who joins American hope Francis Tiafo in the third round. Hi, I'm Francis Tiafo. You're listening to Sunny Side of Sports on Voice of America. And that wraps up the September 2nd edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and that's the sunny side of sports. I get it. <laughs>